Welcome to Food and Loathing, a weekly conversation about how people eat in a city where most people come to drink. And that, of course, is fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, the most colorful podcaster in Las Vegas, at least if you're counting hair, Al Mancini. Well, you're to the point where I could almost count the individual uh, hairs, right? Yeah, there's, <laughs> and each one's a different color, right, man? Yeah. Oh, my co-host, Samantha Gemini Stevens, is not available today. She's dealing with some canine Ooh, yeah. issues. Get so, well, doggy. Yes, we're wishing her puppy dog well. In the meantime, the man you can hear in the background, the guy who keeps me honest... The engineer with no fear, the technician who doesn't know the meaning of submission, the one and only Rich Johnson. And How you, are you? If you check my college transcripts, you'll find I don't know the meaning of a lot of words. <laughs> you didn't get the SAT words, man? How'd you no, do on that I, one? I, I have no idea. You're one of the old geezers who still remembers what we did on our SATs? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty good on the, uh, the written uh, stuff and pretty... Awful on the math stuff. Uh, I crushed it on math and did pretty well on written as well. I, I was the highest uh, in my high school. Certainly not yeah. the highest in the state by any stretch. Oh, of no. Much. I was but, carrying that solid C plus all the way through uh, high school and three dropouts. <laughs> well, SATs are different than what you do in school. Yeah. yeah. I um, It wasn't until law school that I started worrying about grades. Turns so. out in college, the, unlike high school, when you're home, you actually have to have a little self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I didn't have much of that in undergrad. Nor did I. Oh, anyway, we have a great show for you today. Instead of one long interview in the center of the show, we're going to hit you with a bunch of shorter chats with four of the Strip's hottest chefs in interviews that aren't super long, but are also just too good to cut down into sound bites for the news section. So you're going to be hearing from Chef Lorena Garcia of Chica discussing her restaurant's sixth anniversary, Chef Candice Ochoa of Bizarre Meat discussing some new menu items they're rolling out, Chef Min Kim of Wynn Las Vegas will explain his new pop-up, Min's Test Kitchen, as well as the renovations that are now underway at his restaurant, Mizumi. And if that's not enough, I spent some time last night with one of America's premier plant-based chef, Tal Ronan, and we're going to talk about his new cocktail lounge and a bunch of other stuff. You're also going to hear from Bruce Kalman and Roy Alomar during the news. Shit, it's as if we yeah. don't really even need to do anything ourselves, Rich. We <laughs> have our thumb on the finger or on the pulse or on the heel of the Vegas food scene. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Man, you are. But first, we like to start every show by talking about how many places we've been dining recently to help you decide if any of them are worth spending your hard-earned money on. And because I've been talking long enough, I'm going to ask Rich. Rich, good restaurants recently? Uh, a couple of things, you know, trying to keep my, not the fast food thing, although I got one of those in here, but just the the, the modest food things. Baguette Cafe. I'm sure you've been there Love on the Baguette corner. Love Baguette Cafe, yeah. It's, uh, I was there on a Saturday morning. I, I eventually found it. It's like my third or fourth time <laughs> there, and every time, is it this one? Is it that one? It's within this maze of office buildings and parking lots surrounding them, and it's way the hell in the back, almost fronting uh, the 215. Yeah, but tell people how they would get there if they want to get there. You want to go on Sunset, either, I guess, Buffalo or Sunset if you're coming the other way, and it's just east of Ikea, yeah, like a half a mile. Right. Um, and then in the between big- Between Durango and Buffalo, warm, basically. Durango and Buffalo. But you have to turn off of Sunset. You yeah, have yeah. to head south off of Sunset into one of those massive parking lots. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a scene back there, but you'll find it. It's a 
Cool joint. How'd you enjoy it? I had a perfect omelet on a Saturday morning. Bacon, cheese, herbs, a little uh, tomato-y sauce thing, a little side salad, great French roast, deep, dark, bitter coffee, and uh, that was great. So uh, so did you um, get the chance to check out what their pastry selection's like? Because Sue and I have been talking about, you know, she likes to bring in, someday she'll bring in yeah. donuts or bagels to the office, especially when the Golden Knights win or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and she was saying, oh, you know, the places I go, they're not that great. And I'm like, you should go, if you want sweets, you should go to a French yes. restaurant, right? Because you know. all of the casual French restaurants in Las Vegas, well, I can't say all, but most of them have really, really good pastry selections. So did you yeah. have a chance to look? I bought a couple of bagels. and I, uh, not. I'm sorry, not bagels, croissants. Right. And I was going to, uh, oh, I was going to save them for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Ah, they were like lunch on Saturday. <laughs> they yeah. were just just those. Uh, they have many other pastries. I can't tell you all of them. No donuts, of course. Right. It's not no, what they the should. French do. But there was some some Danish looking things and 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 good. Good stuff. Definitely. I would uh, like a review from Sue. Yes. She picks up some of those. Well, today, because I was craving crumble cookies last night, and um, I just did not have the energy. Actually, it wasn't last night. It was the game that we were watching. It was the night of the game, right? Yeah. And they won. It was a great Golden Knights game. Uh, game three. And afterwards, I'm like, man, I, I want something sweet, and I want a crumble cookie. But I, you know, they'll only deliver if you order like four or more. So I was like, <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to order eight of them. You can bring the rest into your office. So yeah. she ended up not going to Baguette Cafe there because her office oh, well. got crumble cookies that day do uh crumble cookies freeze well you ever try that no man they don't last that long in oh, my okay. house <laughs> oh okay. well there's that yeah but eight of them i thought maybe no well they went into seven yeah. of them went into her office one there of them stayed go. home for me yeah uh usual suspects for, for us uh, take out from aromi just down the street here joanna's always with the bronzino i went with the rigatoni and the all beef ragu always excellent and even better the next day. Always the excellent husband, at least that's my story for now. I uh, drove downtown to Publicus on a Sunday morning, brought uh, my personal thermos mug. Joanna doesn't do much coffee. Being Polish, tea is the thing. You know mm. you know how that goes. But the exception is the oat milk latte at Publicus. And the nice mug keeps it all hot for the trip all the way back to Summerlin and her uh, Sunday morning gig here at God's Waiting Room, a.k.a. Sun City Summerlin. That's uh, a little bit of a hike for you, man. I mean, yeah. Publicus is kind 20 of minutes. The, it is at the easternmost edge yeah. of what we call the Fremont East District. Twelfth and Maryland Parkway. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Fremont and Maryland. I'm sorry, Fremont yeah. and Maryland yes. Parkway, which is Maryland Parkway would be the equivalent of twelfth. Right. That was it. Anyway, it's really good. And I bought a loaf of their uh, sourdough bread. It is big time San Francisco style, Seattle style sour, made for great sandwiches and breakfast toast mm-hmm. all week. I was trying to find a cool hole in the wall that I think to, following up on our conversation about hole in the walls last mm-hmm. week, and there's one, actually it's holes in the wall. In the walls, actually, because each hole would be in its own wall, I would assume. Oh, okay, There's not you. just one wall with a yes, lot of holes in you, it, I'm You guessing. are correct. Thank you for that. Uh, my plan was- a Wow, thing- writer nerds, man. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really wasn't even that good at grammar and all that, but now I'm becoming a grammar Nazi. <laughs> Uh, all those apostrophes in the wrong places. Scott Robin of Vital Vegas will, uh, he's my soulmate on point, rudely people. pointing out a bad apostrophes on Twitter yeah. and then getting flamed It's like, for yeah, it. people are typing fast. I, I always say to people, yeah. if you don't like my spelling, you don't like my punctuation on social media, um, go someplace where they pay me to write. Now, now that nobody <laughs> really pays yeah. me to write, um, yeah. I kind of have to keep them a little cleaner. But I will say, if you don't like the way that I write about it on social media, yeah. go to the Neon Feast app where there we actually go. hire editors to make sure everything looks yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was going to go to this, this sort of Thai-centric Asian place up here at Ch- 
the Cheyenne and Rampart. Actually, you know, that street has three names, and it's just, it still drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Starts as Fort Apache. When it gets to Charleston, it turns into Rampart. And when it gets over to Cheyenne, it turns into Durango, which you think is like a mile right. to the right, uh, to the east. Yes. But apparently it all flips so around. And Rampart it, would almost serve as a sort of Broadway if you were in New York City, cutting between. Diagonal kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that place was closed for a little renovation, so I went to a uh, solid, tried and true valley thing, China a go go. China a go go. I passed it many times. I don't think I've ever ordered from there. There's Didn't 20 know. of them around the valley. And that's usually a reason I wouldn't know what's from a place, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, lunch special, solid stuff. I had a good, spicy garlic chicken, extra broccoli for me. Uh, it was uh, solid, sweet, spicy, thanks to slices of jalapeno in there. I got through about a third of it. One thing that they do that is kind of overly generous, you know, usually on the lunch special at a Chinese place, it's rice or noodles. Mm-hmm. They do rice and noodles. That's cool. It's a lot of starch. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of food, too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Good good bargain on the lunch special? Uh, you know, it was okay. Uh, with everything in the drink, it was almost 20 bucks. Okay. So, But it's a lot, and I've got, I ate about a third of it, and the rest sitting there in that fridge to your left. And uh, finally, flaunting the Taco John's trademark that we talked about last week, we did Taco Tuesday. Well, mm, Taco Salad Tuesday at home. A little lettuce, a little salsa, some fresh avocado that were sitting here for about four days. Ground beef cooked in Whole Foods Organic Taco Mix. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, put it all in. It was fine. It was no Taco Bell, but it <laughs> sufficed. <laughs> that is a good thing, Rich. No Taco Bell is a good thing. You know, man, I'm like the only one. They talk about Sue bringing things into her office every time we're at a Knights game and they score two, you know, two oh, goals. Yeah? I'm like, here, bring these fucking ticket stuffs in. I am not going to Taco Bell tomorrow oh, for two free tacos. Gee. Give them away. Give them away. Well, not for me. Send it to me next time. Yes. Well, that's, right. now that I've just kind of made myself sound like a really yeah. snob asshole. How about you? How about me? Where have I been eating, man? Well, last Wednesday, Sue was in the mood to go out after work, sit at a bar, decompress over a tasty beverage and some light snacks before heading home to cook. So rather than hit our, you know, you know what those days are like, right? Oh yeah. Like yeah, she's yeah. got she's got a real office job, so you know what that. I'm surprised like. she even wanted to go hook cook after do that. Why did she get some takeout? Um. Yeah. She. I don't know. She had food that she wanted to get. To. Oh. Okay. But anyway. So rather than hit our usual sit at the bar. And eat places, which would be DW Bistro, Anima, Ada's, the other joints you hear yeah, me yeah. talk about all the time. We decided it had been far too long since we had visited Gina Marinelli in La Strega. Gina was not there that night, it turned out. She was on the EDC grounds preparing for that orgy of sound and whatever else they were orgying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Um, but her staff took great care of us, including New Sam Juan, whom we know from DW Bistro. Hoping I got his name right there. I just see the guy all the time. I hope I, <laughs> hope I didn't fuck that up because I confuse people's names so frequently. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's a small world, man, local restaurant scene. It was great to see him in there. Uh, we did some caviar bumps on fried cheese curds, which were pretty cool. Um, what what am I saying there? I don't know. Yeah, I can't yeah. even read my own notes. But anyway, they were pretty cool, very yeah, tasty. Yeah. Uh, but I was really blown away by the seafood charcuterie. Ooh. It's a large plate of about six different cured and tin fishes, maybe five. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember all of them. I didn't take fantastic notes, but there were some. There was some excellent smoked tuna. There were some anchovies with peppers and onions on a crostini, and the real standout octopus salami. Wow. Um, man, this is a really 
original dish for Las Vegas. I haven't seen anything like it here. Um, honestly, I don't know if I've seen anything like it ever. Maybe yeah. in some articles, you know, some people's Facebook posts from other cities. But um, bravo, man, to Gina and her team. Uh, an aside question. Which is worse or which is less worse? Forgetting somebody's name or using the wrong name? Yeah, well, I was just thinking I should <laughs> always just pass over people's names when I'm... But yeah. I, I don't. At some point, I call it out. I always, First five years, I would run into John Katzalamides. It was, hey, you. That was his line all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I got to tell you, you and I worked together at that office in ABC News Radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. I worked there from, I got hired in 1996. I moved to Vegas in 2001. By the time I moved in 2001, there were, I'd say, 15 people that I saw every day that I had no idea what their yeah. fucking names were because I'd never in taken the, the time to learn them. The ones know? in the big room and you were down the hall. Yeah. Well, it's opposite for me, I knew everybody in the big room. I knew nobody down the hall. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. Once you once you forget to ask people's names for six months, like, what's what's the cutoff? That you yeah, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Got, they got to be, hey, you after a certain yeah, yeah, point, yeah. you know? Anyway. Um, Friday night was nighttime. Sue and I were in the fortress for a fantastic game one win against the Stars. But none of the food was really speaking to me. Um, You know, I usually talk about what I eat there. But that day, just nothing was calling out to me. So I scarfed down an arena hot dog. Sue had some really unappealing chicken nuggets or chicken (laughs) tenders, I guess, and fries that we didn't finish. Um, So still hungry. We dropped by Manzu Italian Oven on the way home for some bites at the bar. Uh, Sue had some solid lentil soup and some really good artichokes. But the standout was a dish called pork belly pizzeria avaso. It's okay, kind of spelled like pasta vajou, you know, like that yeah, kind of stuff, pasta. right? Um, so um, now it says pork belly on the menu, which is true, but it's a little reductive because the center of the dish is actually porchetta which is a preparation of pork belly, but apparently one that people are less likely to order <laughs> when they see it listed on a menu, especially with another dish that they don't know what it's called. So I guess they figured if they called it pork belly, they would get yeah. some takers, people that were interested in it. It was served in a preparation... Okay, first of all, it was served with breadcrumb gnocchi, or bread gnocchi, but it's made yeah. from breadcrumbs, that great manzu bread that we love, right? They make breadcrumbs yep. out of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, they, they make the gnocchi out of it. This is apparently a tradition. Traditionally, the only place you'll find it, I guess, is the city of Piacenza. I don't even know where that city yeah. is. I did look it up. But, you know, um, they, uh, what's his name? Gio, Gio Maro from Manzu. He loves to travel to Italy and bring back these restaurant, these recipes. So he makes these gnocchi, serves them with that porchetta in a preparation of sausage, barlotti beans, sofrito, and tomato. It's kind of like a pasta vajoule, you know, if you've yeah. had those, um, but a little different. And, oh, man, God, what a dish. I don't know you'll, that you'll be able to find this any place else in Las Vegas. If anybody knows of it, please let me know because I figure whoever's making it has to be on their game. Um, I'd really never even heard of the gnocchi before, but you know they know what they're doing. So Chef Gio <laughs> and Chef Paul, bravo. Another big win for that night. The Knights won big. I won big at that restaurant. So bravo to Manzu. You're, you're beeping over there. Hey, not anymore. I can, uh, I can stop yeah. that from here now with a good old Apple Watch. Cool. Um, and then Saturday, we began at Skyline Sips in the Legacy Club. It's a wine tasting up atop Circa. It's part of a new monthly series being thrown by Derek Stevens' daughter. I'm not going to try to remember her name now because I'm sure I'll get it wrong. Yep. Uh, but uh, and I don't want to make them mad at me. They were such gracious hosts. Uh, Sue also attended the high tea that she had thrown a few weeks ago. 
And they're planning a white party um, next month. So it seems to be a series that they want to get in, activate that um, that Circa Roof Deck Legacy Club uh, for things other than just the sports that Circa is known for. You know, I yeah. think they want to create a new scene up there. It's a fantastic location, a really cool event. Um, so I think, yeah, check them out. I, mean, I think it was a buck and a quarter, $125 yeah. for the tickets to this. Unlimited wine, not a lot of food at it, but the food that they brought was brought in by Diana Breyer a valley yeah. cheese and wine so it was good what you know? time of the day was this this was in the afternoon um before bruce's five thing, right? yeah bruce's thing started at five i think this was one to four yeah so that's a that. time when the place is usually dark so it's kind of found profit yeah exactly very so good finding idea. a new scene up there yeah really cool um after that we um headed over to soul belly barbecue on main street bruce calman was celebrating its two-year anniversary with an all-star pig roast featuring several other of his chef friends i spotted i what did i do yeah. i don't know what i did i spoke to bruce Spar- about that. Him. i spoke to bruce about that <laughs> jesus this english language thing not working for me bruce Bail me out of here, brother. What better way to celebrate a two-year anniversary than smoke a couple pigs? And it's just turned out with a group of chefs I've got. We did a sort of a Pacific Island sort of vibe. I've got a huli huli pig here, and we've got some spam pineapple sauce and some nuck chom sauce. And then all these chefs are serving some great food to go with it. So it's a nice little potluck, neighborhood potluck. How'd you put this group of chefs together? These are some of my buddies, and, you know, this group of chefs, is they're all pretty amazing. They're all unique as chefs, and um, I thought it would be a great group. You know, it's been a fun couple of years collaborating with other chefs, and uh, outside of Chef Karras, I haven't collaborated here with any of these guys. Uh, Josh Smith and I did a dinner together at Bardot a long time ago, uh, but outside of that, I've never actually cooked with any of these guys, so it's very exciting. So this is a celebration of two years, man. How quickly have those two years gone by for you? Was it was it in the blink of an eye, or did it seem like it's been going on forever? <laughs> so two years, I mean, it's like, it's a little bit of both. You know, it's, it, it feels like, sometimes it feels like forever, sometimes it feels like it's going over quick. And, you know, I've got such a great team here, and um, we're just, we're cranking away, you know? How do you feel about the reception? How has this town embraced you? I feel like this town has really embraced us. You know, I, I, we're patient. I know it takes a minute for, you know, things to catch on. And, you know, the, the thing that we do here is we just try to do the right thing every day when guests walk in the door. And that's, to me, how you're going to go a successful business. And it was great seeing a lot of um, a lot of the chefs that I knew over there. And we'll get to some, some of those a little later when we get to the news. Sunday was Picnic in the Alley, a fantastic event. I really thought Gemini, who was one of the organizers, was going to tell you all about it today. So yeah. I jot down a lot of notes. Let's just say, you know, this was the event by all women for everybody. It was over on... Um, uh, that's what is that commerce a, kind of a block off main it's uh, yeah like yep. a block behind the main arch district that you know of but it, it was a really cool space um the food was fantastic saw all the chefs who are amazing in this town but also like a lot of just really talented women in other fields as well of course we had brewers we had distillers all that kind of stuff um bartenders but also artists um a couple of fantastic photographers um you know that we know were over there there's a painter. It was just a really great way to spend a, um, a Sunday afternoon. And it was hot as hell, but most of this was indoors, and the, yeah. the air conditioning worked, man. It, so. Does it feel, or did it at all feel like a bit of a wake for Vegas Test Kitchen? 
No, no, I oh, didn't good. feel that way at all. Um, I think it was really just a celebration. Everybody was having a good time. Uh, so, yeah, man, congratulations to all of them for doing that. The news is on the way, but first, not one, not two, not even three. We're talking four chef interviews. Brace yourself. This is Food and Loathing. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Want more? Ah, uh, we got more. Find me every Thursday morning around 810 on The Club, AM 670 KMZQ. On TV, you can find me Mondays around 8.30 a.m. on Wake Up with the CW. And the Neon Feast updates happen all week long on all of the highway radio stations all over your FM dial. The Vibe, The Drive, Highway Country, or go to highwayradio.com. Chef Lorena Garcia was in town recently to celebrate Chica's sixth anniversary at the Venetian, and I sat down with her for a few minutes a couple of days before the party in the restaurant's private dining room. Chef, great to see you, and congratulations. You're celebrating six years at this location in Las Vegas. That's right. I am so excited. I'm so happy to see you here because you were here the day that we opened our doors. Can you believe it's been five, six years already? I mean, in a way, I feel like time flies. And then in another way, I feel like you've always been here, right? It feels like just a, a staple of the strip, you know? So how do you feel? Do you, can you, does it feel like it went by quickly or does it feel like you've been here forever? Like a blink of an eye. Let me tell you that it has been so fast. I love Las Vegas. It's my happy place. Chica Las Vegas is so special to me. Uh, not only because it's the first store, but really when, you know, when I saw that wall of culinary titans and realized uh, the representation of women in the industry of my culture that is so much more than you know really uh, what we make and what we cook so for me it, it is a beautiful moment it's a beautiful time and I cannot wait to celebrate on Sunday our sixth year anniversary and for you to be having the arepas that you had the first day okay well that sounds like fun <laughs> um, so you know uh, much has been said about the fact that you were the first Latina to have a restaurant on the ship uh, on this strip excuse me of your own and you are such a pioneer in that regard. Six years later, you look around, I don't see a lot of others. I mean, how does that feel, you know? I mean, you, you've, you've broken the ground, but we feel like we still have a long way to go. We do. Listen, I constantly continue to work uh, to change that and, and to move the needle a, a little bit in, in terms of seeing more representation of female chef, executive chef, executive position, owners of restaurants here in Vegas and abroad and also around the United States. Uh, 
I, I love and I am very honored to be the first one, but I am nothing if I'm the only one, right? I don't want to be the only one on the space. Uh, I think that we really start making a change when we start seeing more women in this position. And that is something that has caught uh, my attention since the first day that we opened here in Vegas. And I'll continue to work very, very hard uh, in order to change that and continue to offer opportunities uh, in all our Chica restaurants uh, for women that can come in and, and create their careers and uh, you know, step up the ladder uh, in, in the kitchen, which is so important and so needed because let me tell you, a woman can cook. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, they just are not getting, unfortunately, as much respect as they deserve in this town and I guess around the world in particular. Um, your f but th this restaurant has evolved in two ways. It's evolved from the food point of view, and it's also evolved over the years over the kind of vibe you want to create, the party scene, what you want it to be like. Let's start with the food. How has the, the menu evolved over six years? Listen, the menu is a live entity, the way that we see uh, Chica, right? So uh, it's never going to be the same. I want you, when you come into Chica, always to find something new, something that is evolving, something that it continues to grow, and that we continue to serve new menu uh, items that people can enjoy, people that can come here every day and always find something new, but still find the dishes that they love and adore since the first day. So I think it's a beautiful balance between keeping the dishes that is the core of Chica, but also evolving, creating new dishes that people can enjoy and find something new when they come to Chica. For somebody who may not have been here, how would you describe the menu? Oh, it's delicious, it's vibrant, it's passionate, it's full of color and flavor and uh, attention to detail, full of contrast, uh, but at the same time, balance, uh, very thoughtful at the same time. Uh, I love the tendency and the inclination that we have to the Mexican flavors right now. I have a huge trip to Mexico in a month. I'm coming from Mexico doing tons of research. So, you know, that is a tendency that it will continue to evolve. The representation of Latin cuisine as I see it, I love to be the representative, the almost the spokesperson to Latin cuisine uh, in the best possible way. We serve it in the highest level. And that's what uh, Chica represents, is that femininity is the culture and are those flavors that not only represent our passion, but also, you know, the way that we feel as soon as you walk into the restaurant. Um, the balance between Mexican cuisine, which people are more familiar with here in the United States and other South American cuisines that they may not have been as familiar with before you came here or even walking through the door today. Some may not be. Have you had to have you had to experiment with how to balance that between the familiar Mexican and then the more familiar to you, but perhaps as familiar to the American market, other South American um, influences? Absolutely. It is, uh, I think, the core of our business, right? You need to have the those dishes that people uh, will get familiarized with, that people will understand. And then once they sit in our tables, then you can play and really showcase different flavors and really uh, being able to present the flavors of Chica. But I think that you definitely need to have those anchors that people can uh, feel connected and that they just ha they're open to try new flavors. And that's the way that you do it. Now, as I mentioned, you have not only changed the, or not only evolved the menu, but you've evolved the the vibe. Um, and it's always been a little bit of a party vibe in here, but it's it's kind of had ebbs and flows over the years as to what atmosphere you're trying to create. How would you describe the atmosphere? How is the party? What who is it appealing to right now at Chica? Listen, I think that we have an added value when when you know when you go to a restaurant and then you have dinner and then you have to go to another place either to go dancing or to see a show. We wanted to create 
a whole experience. So when you come to Chica, this is where you stay. Uh, we wanted to have an entertainment component, and we created Chica Nights. Super successful. We're known for that. So if you're celebrating from a birthday to a, a bridal shower to a Mother's Day, I mean, you name it. Uh, when, when you think about Chica Nights, it's that party. As soon as you walk in, the music just holds you over and then you cannot stay seated. You have to stand up and dance. We have salsa dancing. We have aerialists. We have really a party uh, that showcases our culture. And that's something that we wanted to recreate in terms of the experience, all inclusive. You have a beautiful dinner. You have showstopper dishes, but then the music and the salsa, professional salsa dancers all over the restaurant, beautiful lighting. Uh, I mean, it's a party all over, right? So why? You have to go through different places when in Chica you can have it all. Now you have some new menu items to celebrate the anniversary, right? Um, what are you excited about? I am so, I'm excited about many of the dishes. I'm still, you know, loving my classics, but you have the mezza platter in which you, uh, you can have little dips with our tortillas. You have that pepita, hummus. You have the beautiful salsa matcha over with cheese. You have our guacamole. You have our beautiful sauces with tortillas and crudites. So that's the kind of the first dish that opens you up to the experience that you're going to have. And then we have our aguachiles of course, are going to be very delicious. You have our, our, our main courses. You have our crispy octopus. You have our pescado a la talla. It's this beautiful fish with dual sauces, and you serve it, we serve it with uh, a beautiful black rice and tortillas. Our, I mean, when we talk about our steaks, we have a Latin steakhouse, uh, and we are a Latin steakhouse. So when we think about Wagyu, we have every single cut. My special one is the picaña a la trompo. It's the punta trasera. It's that tip of the muscle uh, is so tender and delicious and flavorful and we serve it marinated with again beautiful sauces uh, it is a dish that you need to come and experience this as a whole you're making me hungry as you <laughs> describe this um, some of the wow factor over the years has always been on the dessert menu the yes. pastry menu can you talk a bit about that and how you really like to leave people with a, a big impression as their final impression of their meal let me tell you something that happened with dessert is something very interesting I'm, you know I'm, I'm always thinking I have a very big sweet tooth and I have my dear friend and our corporate chef chef Jessica uh, Jessica Scott she has such a huge eye for creativity and you know we can be talking about churros and then Chef Jess comes up with this incredible churro bouquet, you know what I mean? And we're talking about how we can come up with something uh, that represents, you know, our culture that we can flame up and we can uh, have something table side and then the flaming skull comes about and that I take my hat off. So, you know, it's a beautiful collaboration. It's a beautiful uh, labor of love. And I am super lucky to have Chef Jessica side by side creating these amazing desserts uh, that are like no other. They're really the best. Well, thanks so much for your time, Chef. Congratulations on six years. I hope it's far more than six more that you have ahead of you here. Absolutely. I hope to see you. You haven't changed a bit, so <laughs> six more years. Bring it on. Al also paid a visit to Chef Min Kim at Wynn Las Vegas, talking about the ongoing renovations to his restaurant, Mizumi, and the pop-up concept at Chef Min's Test Kitchen. It launches this weekend at Wynn's Jardin. First question. What's going on in Mizumi, which is already one of the most beautiful restaurants in Las Vegas? It is a beautiful restaurant. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But we felt like it couldn't use a little bit of facelift, right? Um, and everything is beautiful, but everything also can be even more beautiful. So we believed in it. Um, a lot of our top executives also believed in our vision. So we decided to go ahead with 
you know, this full renovation of the restaurant, which we are really excited about. It's going to take about five to six months. So it's a full reno. We are going through a change of whole decor, kitchen and everything. So it's going to have a fantastic renew um, once it reopens. So really excited. And so then you decided not to take that time off, but to actually open something new, Min's Test Kitchen. So tell me about Min's Test Kitchen. What is, what is it going to be? I mean, simply put. Simply putting, it will be a progressive Asian cuisine based on my culinary journey throughout different countries and cultures in Asia. So obviously I have a Korean heritage. I was born in Korea um, and I grew up in Australia, but then I started traveling, working in Japan, like Korea, Singapore, like Hong Kong and, and Macau and then I'm here. So there's been multiple different countries that I worked at and then also by working in different countries, you know, they have different traditions, they have different cultures, they have different people. So, you know, I was trying to observe all that and trying to put it into one collective menu, showcasing different cultures and different cuisines from different countries. Okay. So for the average person, what should they expect to see on the menu when they come in? They should expect to see lots of different dishes from different countries. Like there, there are Korean dishes like Korean fried chicken and bosom, and there is some Japanese sushi and sashimi dishes. There is um, different Chinese dishes being inspired by my time in Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, you know, so there is plenty of different options for everyone to choose from. Um, and it is very contemporary and innovative um, type of cuisine, the way we execute and prepare our dishes are very creative and it's very modern. So, you, you know, it's very different to your average local Asian restaurants you go and it's very, I mean, it tastes good and, you know, it, it's, it's all good, but then, you know, it's not as, it doesn't have that finesse, right? So we're trying to create those very comfort, your home cooking type of looking Asian dish with more finesse and more refined form. So how's it going to be set up within Jardine? Are you taking over the entire restaurant or are you going to have like a little section that's yours? That's a good question. So Jardine, I mean, if you've been to Jardine, you will know how big that restaurant is. It's massive. It's a beautiful restaurant. It's right by our pool and it has beautiful patio outside. So during the summertime, I mean, that place really goes off. Um, and because it is a pop-up and, you know, obviously we wanted to focus on the quality and be able to control how many people we are able to cater for. So we are using a fraction, like almost half of the restaurant and also front half of the patio. Um, we have different decors and different like set of, I guess, ambience setup that we, we, are, we are creating during the dinner time. Jaden operates obviously lunch or brunch and lunch. So once their brunch and lunch service is done, we're gonna flip the restaurant and my whole entire crew is gonna come in put up the decor, we have a beautiful partition, we have different artwork, and we have a DJ playing at nighttime, we have live artists coming in and, you know, performing a whole show of like painting, like on the spot, on the restaurant. And we're gonna have, you know, a lot of like guests from the pool, like Excess Nightclub is right next door. So there's a lot of that nightlife component coming as well. So it's gonna have that really cool, young, hip vibe pumping through the restaurant. So it's going to be a really fun venue to be at. So it'll be a very different experience for people who are used to eating your food at Mizumi. Um, and I guess that brings us to, will, it be, uh, will the price point be different from Mizumi, or should people expect the same price point that they were paying there? So the pricing point may vary. Um, there are some dishes that obviously are very premium, that stuff that I, I, I bring from Mizumi, right? Because I still believe in the quality of ingredient. So we don't compromise on the quality. We never do. That's not what wind does, right? We never compromise on the quality. 
But the pricing point may be a little bit lower than Mizumi just because of the type of cuisine and the concept. But then, you know, having said that, it's, it, it's going to be a little bit cheaper, not because we compromise on the quality. We, we, because it's just different concept. That, that's what it is. Correct. Different food. Okay, um, so what is, can you give me one or two of your favorite dishes that would be the must-try dishes when people come into this? Ooh, they are all my creations, and like, they are all my babies, so it's really hard to pick who's your favorite kid type of thing, <laughs> even though you have your favorite kid, but you never tell them, right? So, right. yeah, don't tell them, um, don't, tell them. Don't, don't let them know about it. Um, you know, so, I mean, like, Korean fried chicken is really good. Um, obviously, it comes from my Korean heritage, um, you know, even though it sounds like, oh, it's just Korean fried chicken, but the way we prepare it, it's absolutely phenomenal. We go through almost whole, like one, like full 24 hour of like preparing it in terms of like curing it, marinating it, slow cooking it, and then like triple frying it. So it, there's a lot of depth in like details, how much we go in, in, in preparing that food. Um, also, Wagyu tartar, it's like UK. So there's um, like Korean style beef tartar. Um, that's really cool. Um, obviously, my sashimi and sushi dishes, it's, I mean, that's, you know, no doubt about that, right? Um, and also, there are a couple of um, dishes that was inspired by my time in China, um, like a shumai with wagyu and shrimp is, is going to be really good. So um, there's plenty of options, and I'm sure every single one of them is going to satisfy your cravings. Jose Andres Bizarre Meat has rolled out several new menu items. Al paid a visit to the restaurant and talked about it all with executive chef Candice Ochoa. Before we start getting into the specifics of individual menu items, what is the process like? How frequently do you shake up the menu here, and what goes into that? Uh, we don't uh, really change any items too often, but we like to add and kind of like improve some of our items. Um, like, you know, we had the caviar service way back when we first started nine years ago. Um, we brought it back to the menu uh, earlier this year, uh, and it's a little different, you know, a little bit more fun and sophisticated than what we used to have. So the process is, uh, it's a little long. It took me about three or four months to get everything cleared and approved. And then menu reprints, you know, we have a big menu. So it takes, takes some time. When you look at the new items that are on the menu now, is there a theme that runs through them? The items that we just put on the menu, um, some of them are returned from the previous menu. Um, some items are from bazaars that have closed. So the bazaars that have closed, Jose would, likes to bring some of those items to the bazaars that are currently open to kind of showcase what was there before. So could you give me an example of some that may be um, new to Las Vegas but not new to bazaar in general? Uh, Neptune's Pillow was created in Bazaar Brickle back in 2016. It's a play on crispy rice. So Jose wanted to create the airbread as the crispy rice and then he wanted to do it reverse so instead of the tuna being on top he put it inside the airbread and then the little sashimi on top for like freshness so it's like his play on one of his favorites um talk to me about the caviar service it seems like caviar is more popular than ever right now and people are trying to get creative with it sometimes you just want the classics how are you presenting caviar here at bazaar uh we kind of took the the um the classic approach uh, you can pick between two sizes of uh, caviar, which we have a paddlefish and then we have an alcetra. So you can go higher end or lower end. Um, it comes with whipped cream fresh in a, you know, the little toothpaste tubes that we have and a mother of pearl spoon, which you can take home and um, just a brick condo. Super simple, fresh. We get really great caviar from our local vendor that we've been getting caviar from for the past nine years, Bijork great great quality and he's actually um, recently 
um, distributing to Bazaar Chicago as well. There's a new lobster dish on the menu. And of course, you know, being a steakhouse, I know lobster is always an important component for a steakhouse. How do you do lobster and elevate it from just sort of the plain old lobster that other people are you know, used to seeing at every steakhouse and giving it the bizarre touch? Well, our bizarre touch is our jaspers, you know, imported from Spain. So you got like that smoky flavor inside your um, wood fueled oven. So you get that smokiness inside the lobster and it's paired with a Thai infused, um, Thai flavors infused Bermonte. So I think that that's where ours is just a little bit different. It has, you know, um, Fresno pepper, uh, sorry, Serrano peppers, ginger, galanga, garlic, shallots, like all those delicious Thai flavors that everyone's familiar with. And then wrapped up with, you know, the smokiness from the Jasper. And I think that everyone wants a little surf and turf. And uh, personally, the lobster is one of my favorites. So I had to bring it back. This place is all about the beef. It's all about the meat. And I feel as though every time I'm here, every time I have the pleasure of speaking to either Chef Andreas or anyone who works here, you guys seem to know more about meat than just about any place I've ever been in, in my life. So you're doing an A5 Wagyu tasting. What, what is that? And what are you hoping to show people about this exalted form of beef that a lot, most of America has never come close to trying? So, you know, back um, when I first was promoted, that was one of my things I wanted to bring, you know, different cuts of beef, whether it's just like a 10-ounce piece or whatnot, to Bazaar just to showcase something, you know, prime that not a lot of people are familiar with. You know, I do a lot of research and I try to find things that, you know, at, at least in Vegas that other restaurants don't have. So we, I was doing a, you know, by the ounce um, snow, snow beef or um, olive, olive-fed Wagyu beef. And then I was, you know, it's really important for me to talk to my front of house to kind of see, because they're the ones speaking with the with the guests firsthand. So I kind of talk with them and we see like, what could we improve on or what, what else we can do um, to just showcase our, our menu better. And he suggested, hey, chef, you have this beautiful, um, you know, new cut of beef. How about we do a tasting with it? You do a little, you know, snow and you do a little tenderloin and you do a little omi. And like, that's kind of what the... Um, the A5 selection is kind of about. We already kind of do that, but we kind of put it up there so that people will actually do the three different flavors, taste all the different profiles, and kind of, you know, showcase that olive-fed Wagyu beef that, you know, there's only 2,000 cattle in, in Japan, and not a lot of people can get that here in the States, and we are one of the only restaurants in Vegas that can get the olive-fed Wagyu. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're making me hungry. <laughs> for sure. Come back and have a tasting. And just one more before we get to the news. The night before we recorded this segment, renowned plant-based chef Tal Ronan was in town to officially open his new lounge at Crossroads Kitchen in Resorts World. I was at the opening and sat down with him for a few minutes. Congratulations, chef, on the opening of the new lounge. Um, how's it feel to finally have it open? Thank you. It's great. You know, we always had a great cocktail program here, but we really did want to take advantage of being so close to the theater um the lineup at resorts world has been insane you know carrie underwood luke bryan there it, it's amazing now we have carrie under or uh Katy perry's leaving carrie underwood's coming so we're right by the theater and we wanted to take advantage of the crowds and um it just seemed like the uh the right time 
Yeah, I've said that as much as I really thought it was a great concept you had out there doing the, the burgers, the, you know, the, fat, the vegan burgers, it didn't really look like something people would buy on a whim on their way into a show, right? It sort of became a destination. And I feel like the lounge takes better advantage of the position that you have. Yeah, it does because I think people can also have a quick bite before a show. They don't have to commit to the full meal. And I really like that idea because to most people, vegan, plant-based, whatever you want to call it, is still, you know, out there. And if they can come in and have an appetizer and be like, wow, you know, this is really good, they'll probably come back for dinner. So... Um, but I guess it's bittersweet having to close down the burger spot there. Um, do you have any plans to resuscitate that anywhere? Um, not at the moment. I think we really want to, you know, that was going out on a whim for us. Like we, we are known as the fine dining vegan spot of the U.S. Every year, you know, we win Best Fine Dining from Veg News Magazine. So to do something like that was, um, it was more of a trial um i didn't really enjoy it that much no. you know but um if anyone wanted to you know do that down the road we would probably revisit it um in a different format so after close to a year in las vegas what have you learned and what are your impressions i mean it seems to be a tremendous success to outsiders looking in um it's interesting what i've learned is Unlike L.A. where, you know, it's the entertainment capital of the world, like when I talk to guests here, they're from all over the world. Like we get people from Tokyo, we get people from Dallas, like the wildest mix of people on any given night. And that's something that I really have enjoyed um, because the crowd at, at Melrose is always the same, right? It's always entertainment industry people and... Um, just meeting people from overseas here that have heard about us and have sought out, you know, to come to Resorts World because we're here, it's it's uh, mind-boggling. Yeah, that's that's was going to be my next question. Do you find that people are seeking you out rather than discovering you? Is it something that people research where they can eat plant-based when they're in Vegas and they end up here because of that, or are, is it kind of a happy accident for people? It's both. Um, we've really been grateful for all the locals that come in and they come in regularly you know we have um locals that come in for dinner during the week and they'll come for sunday brunch sometimes we'll see them two or three times a week um but definitely i've heard from a lot of folks that travel uh to vegas for a convention or something like that they're like oh my god i forgot you guys are open there I'm going to change hotels just so I can eat <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner at your restaurant. So, so um, have there been items that you've had to take off the menu because they didn't work in Vegas? Maybe they worked in the other locations or things you've added? Well, I know you originally added some, some high-end items like the foie gras and the caviar for Vegas. But have there been any menu changes as you've adapted to the Vegas market? So we, we change the menu quarterly. Um, so... That's done regardless of whether something's doing well or not. We change with the seasons. So every season we change um, at least 8 to 12 items on the menu, which is really an aggressive change. But that lets us sort of purge, you know, things that people are tired of. or um, But it also lets us um, create food 
that's you know grown pretty close to Vegas um, and tastes really great because it's in season. Um, have you had any big hits that you just can't take off the menu because they're so popular? Yeah, I mean the um, this, the baked scallops that we do, um, those are, are served um, basically baked like a Rockefeller would be baked. And we cut the scallops out of king oyster mushrooms. I remember doing that with you upstairs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And so they're they're smaller. They're like bay scallops. And um, that one, people would murder us if we took <laughs> it off the off the menu for sure. So let's a little more detail about the lounge. What should people expect when they come in there? Anything, any theme to the cocktails? Is there a special menu that's a lounge only menu? What what's the experience like? Yes, it's all like small bites. Um, the cocktails are always geared to what's in season um, and just a place where people can hang out and not feel the pressure of a fine dining restaurant. Um, we expect a lot of musicians to come hang out. Crossroads has always been a music hangout. If you look at the art on the wall, it's all rock and roll photos. If you walk into the restaurant you look at it and it's like oh it's fine dining but they're playing rock and roll so um there's a lot of musicians who have recently moved to vegas probably for tax purposes yeah (laughs) Yeah. and uh we expect it to become kind of a cool music hangout cool any specialty cocktails that people need to try uh the mai tai is my favorite i Never drank Mai Tais before because they would just make me sick the next day. But these guys um, make them with really high-quality ingredients, and um, they're, they're really good. When you're sourcing cocktail ingredients, is it difficult to keep it 100% plant-based? I always assumed drinking would not have a problem, but then I met vegans who didn't, eat, didn't drink certain things, even down to red wines that they thought had certain yeah. insects in it, and you know, just stuff that I never would have thought of. So I'm wondering, when you are stocking a cocktail lounge, are there specific products that you need to find alternatives for? Um, yeah, I, I can't remember if it was Aperol or what's the alternative to Aperol, the other red? Uh, Campari. Campari. One of the two we found out, just like you just said, was made from bugs. That's how they got the red color. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, now what we do automatically if we're going to introduce a new spirit or a new wine is contact the um first we contact the vendor that we're buying it from they'll usually have something they can share with us that says whether it contains animal products or not because you're right there's also filtering that's used in winemaking processes um that involves clarification with egg whites and sometimes even fish bladders so people don't really think of that when they drink wine um but I think that's changing, and most most winemakers no longer use those methods. But people can be certain that when they come here, you've done the research to make sure that everything is still going to be a- as pure as they could possibly ask as a plant-based restaurant. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've heard different things from a manufacturer and a distributor, <laughs> yeah. so sometimes you do have to go to the source. Cool. Well, Chef, I look forward to checking it out. Thanks so much for your time, man, and congratulations. Thanks, and thanks for everything you do for the culinary community, the restaurants in town. I know all of the chefs and restaurants really appreciate you.
I have not been to the lounge. It's been active for several weeks. It was that old uh, vegan hot dog place, and they just kicked out the wall. And it looks like such a wonderful space. What a great idea right off the bat. Great space, and the small bites are fantastic, you know, and as, as Tal said in that interview, you know, he really thinks that people come in there for a drink before they go see a show in the theater. They'll be a little hungry. Maybe they'll order a dish. They'll order those crab cakes, and they'll say, holy fuck, these things are as yeah. good as, you know, crab. as real crab cakes. I, I, I must come here for dinner sometime soon. Um, yeah, that's a great restaurant, and I love it. A Blues Breakfast, Sushi School, and the Bellagio Buffet is back. All that and more in the news next. This is Food and Loathing. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach out directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out in time at wishboneandvine.com. One more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. That teletype sound means it's the official start of the news. I mean, even though a couple of those (laughs) interviews were sort of newsy on their own. Yeah, tis the season for new menu rollouts. The latest batch comes from House of Blues. It's adding seven breakfast options and another seven dishes for lunch and dinner. The options for the early risers include a country skillet, a chicken biscuit sandwich, biscuits and gravy, dulce de leche French toast, a rotating selection of pancakes. New lunch and dinner offerings include New York steak and fries, hot fried chicken, a smoked brisket sandwich, and a mac and cheese skillet. They're also bringing back live music at the restaurant every Thursday through Sunday. Uh, don't forget Mandalay Bay has... a. Uh, Three hours of free parking for locals. And if you can't eat in three hours and lose a couple of Franklins at the uh, tables, what kind of Vegas person are you? (laughs) Not a very good one. Yes. Uh, It may be Memorial Day weekend, but Sushi School is in session Saturday, May 27th at Otoro in the Mirage. Executive Sefiyoshi Park will teach you the fundamentals of sushi making. It's a hands-on class, of course before you and your classmates get to eat your creations and some other signature items that happen to stop by. The bell dings at 4 o'clock. Tickets are $75. That's a nice bargain. Uh, Find them in the events section at hardrockhotelcasinovegas.com. Yeah, it's still called the Mirage, but it's owned by the Hard Rock folks. (gasps) Hardrockcasinovegas.com. Finally, I'm going to That's go a to, lot of letters for a URL. A they must yeah. have been pushing right up against the, yeah, the rule. Yeah, the limit and all yeah. that. I'm going to do this uh, soon. Naxos Taverna at Red Rock has launched a three-course prefix menu for the spring. But it's an early bird thing for people, old fat fucks like me. Mm-hmm. 4 to 6 p.m. Dinners uh, of your choice of four starters, four entrees, three sides, and four desserts. All for $55. A few premium supplements, of course. But man, that sounds like a deal. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the, I saw what, what those options were for each of those courses, and they were good. You don't need to go with the premium. You can get a, a very yeah. good deal. Amazing that we now think $55 for a, an early <laughs> yeah, yeah, special yeah. three-course. I, I swear I remember when Hubert Keller opened Fleur de Lis. I mean, we're going back 15 years, yeah. but I think his five-course tasting menu by acclaimed world-renowned French chef was like $55 oh, at that man. time, man. It was crazy, but, you know. Yeah, when I was world. when I was your age, yeah, I could get food I, for a nickel. I walked uphill both ways to school. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah. 
Uh, Soul Belly Barbecue is popping up at Aria over Memorial Day weekend. Bruce Kalman and his team will be serving brisket sandwiches, pulled pork sandwiches, and a slew of sides at Proper Eats Food Hall Friday through Sunday at 11 a.m. until closing. And of course, speaking of Bruce Kalman, this is the second time we're mentioning him today. I spoke about uh, Soul Belly's second anniversary this past weekend and the pig roast that they did over there. He was joined by Delilah's Josh Smith, Colin and Mags from Fuku Burger, former Harvest Chef Roy Elmar, and pastry chef Karis Kawana. We heard what Bruce was t- talking about that at the top of the show. But while I was there, I also spoke to Roy Elmar about the progress on his new downtown Summerlin restaurant, Fine Company. We're uh, on progress with uh, construction, and uh, hopefully we're going to get the keys uh, first week of June, and uh, hopefully we'll be open end of June, early July. Well, a lot of people, less food they had of yours, me included, was pigeon. Yep. was a pop-up you were doing, so we thought you were going to go in that direction. Um, what? But you're not. So what is the direction that you're going with Fine Company? Um, so we're going with uh, New American. We got, uh, we'll still have, we'll have a little bit of Hawaiian influence in there. Of course, that's the way I cook. But it'll be seasonal New American neighborhood restaurant. We just want to make good food, um, seasonally driven, uh, and uh, have something nice for the people of Summerlin, or everybody, actually. But, you know, we're up there, downtown Summerlin, and uh, we're excited to bring some good food. What space is it in downtown Summerlin? What was there before? It's in the old MTO space. It was next, okay. next to True Foods. But we redid the whole interior. It's a beautiful space and uh, a big patio, 55 seats on the patio, 80 on the inside. So it'll be brunch, lunch, and dinner. The buffet at Bellagio is now serving dinner five nights a week. So buffet lovers, man, it's time to celebrate. They're doing it Wednesdays through Sundays. That's up from three nights a week. And it's a big deal because as far as I know, there are only six casino buffets offering dinner these days. And Bellagio is one of the very best. If you want a list of all of them, actually, you can check out Neon Feast. And one final note. As we record this, a guy named Josh Fikeson, who works at Wynn's Lakeside, is trying to set a Guinness World Record for the most Michelin-starred restaurants visited in 24 hours. He's in New York. He's asked me to be one of the um, restaurant experts that Guinness requires him to have for verification. So he has been texting me photos all day of himself enjoying <laughs> various dishes. Last time I checked his itinerary and his maps, I believe he had 23 stops planned in 24 hours. But he was looking to add some more. Of course, we know what it's like oh, getting man. around New York City. So, like, that's insane. But I've seen his map, and it looks like he planned this thing out to the to the second. Um, if, I, if he's not full after about 12 of these things, I assume he's got it so he can walk to most of yeah, them. Yeah, he'll be walking to a lot of them. Yeah, um, I'm going to be interviewing him when he gets back. So I will have him on the podcast at some point in the next couple of weeks. For now, man, I just want to wish him good luck man. and good eating. And hope he doesn't have to make too many stops in down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> Along the way. I fear many. Oh, man. That is about it for this week. I want to thank our friends, Lorena Garcia, Candice Ochoa, Min Kim, Bruce Kalman, Tal Ronan, Roy Elamar. Damn, we had a hell of a show this yeah. week. Yeah. Join us next week when I believe we're finally going to be talking to the creator of Historia, which is a Filipino food storytelling pop-up. So that's going to be a lot wow. of fun next week. Yeah. And um, yeah, make sure to join us. Wishing Samantha Gemini Stevens all the best for her puppy dog. For myself and Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. <laughs>